and thank you for tuning in to SNC Adventures Talk It Out. My name is Paige, and I'm here with Miss Hannah. Hi. So, Hannah, when and where did you study abroad? So, I studied abroad the fall of my junior year in Quito, Ecuador, this semester. And what was your experience like in terms of staying with host families or apartments, taking classes, doing any extra things? Mm-hmm. So, I had a home homestay for the semester, and I stayed with um, a host family that had a mom, a dad, and two kids, and they were in their early to mid-twenties, I would say. Okay. And we lived about 50 minutes from the school that I went to, which was the University of 50? 50. Yeah, oh, that's quite far. See, sun, well. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <hello. laughs> Anyways, 50 minutes from my school, uh-huh. uh, Universidad San Francisco de Quito, uh-huh. and yes, yeah, so I took two buses every morning to wow. get to school, and while I was at school, I took five different classes, uh, two of which went to my Spanish minor, mm-hmm. I took a culture class, an evolution of jazz <laughs> class, oh. and um, an independent research study, which qualified for I think a bioelective like an okay. independent study there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what was it like because I'm assuming all your classes were in Spanish then. except for the jazz class except for yeah. the jazz yeah. class <laughs> okay <laughs> so what was that like trying to like completely reorient how you communicate with other people oh gosh <laughs> it was definitely a challenge not only in my classes but just yeah interacting with mm-hmm. people in general the classes were almost easier in a sense because naturally my strengths in Spanish are reading and writing mm-hmm. and so a lot of the classes I could get by uh, mm-hmm. pretty easily but the day-to-day communication aspect I found to be really difficult because I came to Ecuador with a pretty advanced understanding of Spanish, but again, communicating your thoughts is very different and very difficult, Um, especially like expressing your personality Mm -hmm. in Spanish Mm -hmm. is really difficult because I was limited to such a little vocabulary and... I don't know, my personality normally is, like, super sarcastic, and I love to make a lot of <laughs> jokes, but I don't really know how to do any of that in Spanish. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I only know, like, literal translations of words in Spanish, and so mm-hmm. I just found it a little bit difficult to, you know, make friends and, like, truly try to express myself mm-hmm. in Spanish. It's just, I don't know, it's such a weird experience. <laughs> yeah. How do you kind of overcome that? Because I've talked with other students, too, mm-hmm. about how, like, you kind of almost develop your own personality yeah. abroad because of those limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is definitely difficult. I think with time, trying to just spend more time with Ecuadorian people. I had one a really good Ecuadorian friend, mm-hmm. uh, and she was awesome. She only spoke to me in Spanish, and so my interactions with her helped me be more of myself, I guess, in the Spanish language because I started to learn more of, like, this like the sayings and the slang that like younger mm-hmm. students would use and yeah. so that helped me to sort of express myself better but mm-hmm. it's hard I guess you just have to <laughs> put yourself out there and through trial and error you kind of mm-hmm. learn how to express yourself better yeah mm-hmm. do you think she would help like correct you like when you said stuff wrong and yeah. like give you more evoke vocabulary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah she was wonderful because she was 
fluent in English as well. Oh, so okay. she only spoke to me in Spanish, and I really appreciated that. But if there ever was sort of a miscommunication, or I truly didn't know how to say something, then I could just say it to her in English, and she would tell me then mm-hmm. how to say it in Spanish. And so I actually learned quite a bit of Spanish through mm-hmm. her. Nice. Mm-hmm. And with your, you said you did like directed research mm-hmm. while you were there. How did the, you set that up? Yeah, so it was through this program called the Lori program. Okay. And basically it was an optional program. It required a separate application just to sort of gauge your interests. Mm-hmm. And basically they pair a student from um, the U.S. or wherever they're coming from with a professor at the university. Mm. And so I was paired up with a professor at the medical school and she is in public health. Mm-hmm. And so she had participated in a larger study that included eight different Latin American countries and it surveyed individuals on their eating habits, their physical fitness, and also just like it gathered sociodemographic like information about Mm -hmm. age and uh, socioeconomic status, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so she completed this survey with a bunch of other participating universities and then she had all this data And so basically my project was to find something interesting that I wanted to study from the data that we had. Mm -hmm. And so I made my project uh, analyzing the macronutrient intake Mm. um, between adolescents in the Sierra, which is like the Andes portion of Ecuador, and the coast of Ecuador. Hmm. And so I didn't really find anything incredibly interesting (laughs) um, just because the way that they were analyzing overall health usually with like BMI, uh, which isn't the most accurate Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, But it was interesting just to look at the differences in the diets because Mm -hmm. um, they are slightly different on the coast versus in the Andes. Mm -hmm. Um, And through that, I learned a lot of statistical analysis stuff. And Mm -hmm. it was very different than the research that I do at SNC. So Mm -hmm. I had a really good time with that. (laughs) That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And that, again, was all in Spanish? Yeah, that was all in Spanish. (laughs) I forgot to mention that. So yeah, it was all in Spanish. And at the end of the semester, I did write a report. It didn't get, like, published or anything, Mm -hmm. not to my knowledge. (laughs) Um, And then we gave a presentation at the end of the semester, too. And, yeah, that was all in Spanish. So I was pretty proud of that. Yeah, that's an accomplishment Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, So what would, like, an average weekend look like for you in Ecuador? That that varied, honestly, from Mm -hmm. week to week. Um, I would say, though, near the tail end of my time, mm-hmm. I really focused on hiking mm-hmm. um, because at the tail end of my stay in Ecuador, I summited Cotopaxi, which is the second highest mountain in Ecuador. Mm. And so in order to train for that, I think pretty much every weekend for like the last month, last month and a half of my stay, I was hiking some sort of mountain. Okay. And so most of my weekends then were like departing really early, maybe six o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. hop on a bus, (laughs) take a bus ride for like an hour somewhere, maybe take another bus (laughs) to go to the base of this mountain and then meet up with another group of individuals or a group of my friends from school. And we Mm -hmm. would take like, seven hours to hike a mountain for the day, and then, uh-huh. then you'd come home and be completely exhausted, and <laughs> you'd go to bed. So mm-hmm. a lot of my weekends were hiking, mm-hmm. um, but then in the beginning, I guess, half of my semester, mm-hmm. I did a lot more 
traveling to different cities all across Ecuador. I didn't leave Ecuador throughout okay. my semester, so I just did more weekend trips here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think was the highlight of your study abroad experience? Definitely Cotopaxi. Yeah? Yeah, that was the best because, one, I didn't really anticipate someone in Cotopaxi, but mm -hmm. then I heard that a student from USFQ in the university I went to, mm -hmm. um, he was supposedly leading a group of students mm. to hike Cotopaxi, and I was like, I want to do this, so I messaged him, mm -hmm. and he messaged me back, and he was like, well, you haven't really been training, so I don't know <laughs> if you'll be able to do it, and I was like, well, no, sir. Challenge Actually, accepted. Yeah, I'm like, Actually, I'm going to do this, just watch me, and so that's when I really kicked up the hiking. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to hike a different mountain every single weekend, uh -huh. um, and then, so the summit actually happened, like, on my 21st birthday, Oh, too. that's really special. So it was so fun. So basically what happened is um, the group of us, we went to the base of Cotopaxi, mm -hmm. and we sort of, like, spent the night mm -hmm. there, in a sense. So, like, we ate dinner there, and then we, like, slept for a few hours, and then got up at, like, 10 p.m. or so. Okay. And we started hiking at 11 p.m. So why do they do that? At Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, <laughs> you have to hike during the night because you want to summit pretty soon, like, after sunrise. Mm. Otherwise, if you're hiking during the day, the snow starts to melt and there's a greater uh -huh. risk of avalanches. Mm -hmm. So it's recommended that you hike during the night. Uh-huh. Well, that's quite the experience. <laughs> so we try hiking at 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. at night, and my bag is just full at this point because I have snacks, I have extra layers, I have my crampons, I'm carrying my ice pick, <laughs> you know, my helmet's on. It's so heavy. And uh -huh. the first two hours, I was just going up this sand hill. And I honestly <laughs> thought I was not going to make it. But, like, we make it to the first refuge. We eventually make it to the glacier part where we put on our crampons and stuff. Mm -hmm. But at this point, my partner gets altitude sickness. Oh, no. Because normally it's guide and then two hikers. Mm -hmm. So my partner gets altitude sickness. And normally the rule is if one person gets sick, everyone goes down. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh my gosh, I just spent all this money, like, training. Yeah. And it was my birthday, and now we're not even going to go up the mountain. Mm -hmm. But my guide was, like, talking to people, and he's like, it's la cumpleañera, which is uh -huh. the birthday girl. Uh -huh. And so he's, like, trying to, he's, like, talking to people, and he's like, can anyone take the birthday girl? And... <laughs> Someone was nice enough to take me, and um, so I just joined another person's group, oh, okay. and we continued up the mountain, and it was such a weird, like, time warpy <laughs> experience, because I had no idea yeah. what time it was. We just kept, like, trudging through the night. I didn't know where we were or, like, where I was walking, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just after, like, six or seven in the morning, we <laughs> summited, and it was, like, the most beautiful, clear morning and you could see other mountains in uh -huh. the distance oh and it's so gorgeous we just took celebratory pictures and <laughs> then we went down and i was so exhausted and when we hit sort of that sandy area again mm -hmm. and then we down my legs were so jello-y yeah that like <laughs> i would take a few steps and then honestly fall <laughs> because <laughs> it was slippery uh -huh. and i just had no control in my legs <laughs> At that point, so it was it was rough coming down just because I fell repeatedly for a solid hour. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but overall that was definitely the highlight of my trip. So, yeah. But it was worth all the it falling. Was, it was worth all the falling for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
What do you think, I know you've been back for a while now, mm-hmm. but what do you think it was like to transition back to St. Norbert and mm-hmm. kind of leave your study abroad life behind? <laughs> yeah, it was a difficult experience. I think my experience was made a little bit easier given the fact that all four or I guess all three of my roommates had Mm -hmm. studied abroad the same semester I did. Mm. And so then we all came back and lived together. Mm -hmm. And so we could kind of share those experiences and we could relate to one another, especially um, Kelly, Mm -hmm. one of my best friends and roommates. She studied abroad in Chile. And Mm -hmm. so we really connected because we had different but also similar experiences, at least with the language barrier and Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it, it was different. Um, and difficult transitioning back into sort of the St. Norbert college mindset because mm-hmm. in Quito everything was very laid back, very people-oriented, people-focused. Yeah, just on spending time with loved ones rather than like, oh, I got to get up and have my schedule and get things done and be productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but spring semester, it was very much like, get going again, get back into school, get back into research, study for the MCAT. Yeah. It was like rise and grind again. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was just hard to, I guess, like readjust that and also trying to not be so intense with studying and working and mm-hmm. um, the same, you know, habits that I had, I guess, freshman and sophomore year. I yeah. wanted to keep some of my Ecuadorian lifestyle, I guess, and yeah, sort of yeah. integrate that back into my life at SNC, which mm-hmm. has worked. You um, think so? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm way more relaxed than I have ever been, mm-hmm. um, and I've prioritized my the relationships in my life way more, mm-hmm. um, just because being abroad was very difficult as far as, like, loneliness and homesickness mm-hmm. and stuff for me, too, just because... Yeah. I had the one Ecuadorian friend, which is great. I had some of my St. Norbert friends, and I did meet a couple of international mm-hmm. students throughout like the States and from Europe, too, who I made friends with, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I would miss my family and how much I would miss Wisconsin uh-huh. <laughs> in particular. That really threw me for a loop. I was like so happy to come home for Christmas and like see snow, mm. and I don't know. That was weird, mm-hmm. um, and so now I'm just a lot more grateful especially for my parents for my brother Mm -hmm. for just the home that I was you know raised in Mm -hmm. and and stuff and so I prioritize that a lot more Mm -hmm. um than I did before yeah that's Mm -hmm. definitely a good perspective to gain Mm -hmm. and sometimes it really does take getting outside of everything that you're familiar with to then Mm -hmm. come back and really appreciate yeah everything more definitely yeah well is there anything else you want to share about your experience Let's see. I mean, there's so much to share, to be completely honest. Um, I just, I would say just Ecuador is, I think, just an underrated country in general, and I think that Mm -hmm. everyone should visit it if Mm -hmm. you get the opportunity to, uh, just because it's the most biodiverse country Mm -hmm. in the world, given its size. Um, And so I thought that was fascinating, and I was able to go to all four regions Mm. of Ecuador. So you have the Andes, which I, (laughs) you know, experienced a lot, and I didn't even get to all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the jungle, Mm -hmm. um, which was beautiful. There's the coast, 
Mm-hmm. You want your beach scene and then the Galapagos too, mm-hmm. which I was able to visit mm-hmm. for I think a four or five day trip. It was short. It was really expensive, but it was very much worth it because that was one of the most beautiful places that I've visited Mm -hmm. other than the mountains that I hiked. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, Quito is just a really interesting city too. I think it was a challenge for me to adapt to such a big city coming Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. like rural, suburban kind of Wisconsin, I don't know, outside yeah. of Milwaukee area. Yeah. Uh, but Quito is hopping. There's so many things to do, uh, so many interesting people to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I really love doing and loved experiencing, at, or witnessing, I guess, is just seeing the interaction between Ecuadorians and Venezuelans. And it wasn't always the oh. best interaction, but I learned a lot about immigration Mm-hmm. Um, through that, and Venezuela is having their issues right now, and so mm-hmm. there are a lot of Venezuelan immigrants coming to Ecuador, okay. um, looking for work and whatnot. And so, mm-hmm. since I was on the buses all the time, mm-hmm. going to and from school, uh, a lot of Venezuelan immigrants would uh, come on the bus and sell little packs of snacks for a dollar, and then uh, wrapped. Um, around the snack packs were just Venezuelan dollars and oh. their money because their money's worthless. And so, like, the only way that they can really make a living in Ecuador is mm-hmm. by selling goods on the bus. And so, that was like, really, really sad um, to see. Mm-hmm. But it made me have a, have a lot more empathy for immigrants in like Ecuador and mm-hmm. in the States because a lot of the Venezuelans who came over had real jobs. They were doctors, lawyers, yeah. business people, things like that. And they just couldn't find work and they're just trying to support their families yeah. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was just a really powerful experience that mm-hmm. I saw in my day-to-day life mm-hmm. in Ecuador that I wouldn't have been able to see had I just stayed in Wisconsin. Yeah, And so I guess that's like one of the main reasons why I advocate for people to study abroad is because mm-hmm. you just, you really see different perspectives on life and different people's challenges. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you wouldn't have been able to see that in the small town, Wisconsin, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, so. it exposes you to so much more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's probably the main thing that I would say. I also mm-hmm. was able to volunteer when I was abroad. Okay. Um, I volunteered with an organization called Dunamis, which Mm. helps um, adolescent victims of sex trafficking, like, get out of sex trafficking and learn um, different skills, like learning English, learning different um, sewing and jewelry techniques so they can sell the jewelry Mm. and actually earn a living and sort of provide for themselves. And Mm -hmm. so I spent two months with them teaching mm-hmm. the girls, like, basic information about health and hygiene because mm-hmm. uh, once the directors kn- knew that I was a biology major, they were <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you could do that. And I was like, I don't feel qualified for this. I'll try my very best. And so, yeah, I, I led uh, weekly lessons in Spanish uh-huh. about health and hygiene oh, to very these girls. Cool. And I love that experience, too, because I, I work with foster children, mm-hmm. and this is another way that I could reach out to vulnerable children and now mm-hmm. I'm 
the, a sexual assault advocate mm-hmm. for Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So everything's just very connected, and I thought it was a really great experience that yeah. I gained in Quito, too. So, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's my experience. <laughs> few minutes. <laughs> well, that's perfect. You had a lot of different experiences, and yes. I think that's great to hear about mm-hmm. all that study abroad can offer students mm-hmm. if they really take advantage of it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me today. Thank you for having me on here. <laughs> I'm so glad because you told us, you told me one day how you would listen to every episode, and I was like, woo! Yeah, I am the number one listener on this podcast, so I'm so excited to be featured. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you. (laughs) What happens abroad stays abroad unless you talk it out. If you're interested in sharing your story, contact us at studyabroad at snc.edu. Thank <laughs> you.